all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, Mississippi. Welcome to the original Southern Remedy. That's the Dr. Call-In Show, where you call in with anything that's on your mind medically. Questions, comments, or welcome. We're at one 672 7464 And I have a guest today who is going to field any questions you have on ophthalmology. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, alcohol addiction. And also for you techies who've been listening to the previous program, we're going to talk about screen problems uh, relating to your eyes. So we got a lot to talk about, plus anything you want to talk about, one 672 7464 We're taking your calls right now. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Trump reportedly is removing his chief strategist, Stephen Bannon, from his National Security Council. Bannon has been a consistent target of criticism from Democrats and some Republicans who were deeply troubled about the former Breitbart News executive's role and influence in national security matters. President Trump is meeting at the White House today with Jordan's King Abdullah, NPR's Scott Horsley reports they're expected to discuss the civil war in Syria, Islamic State, and efforts to make peace between Israel and the Palestinians. White House aides describe Jordan as a key U.S. partner in the Middle East, the country's temporarily home to hundreds of thousands of refugees who fled civil war in Syria. Jordan's also part of the military coalition battling ISIS, and last week King Abdullah hosted an Arab summit at which dozens of participants renewed their offer to recognize Israel in exchange for creation of a Palestinian state. Trump's meeting with the Jordanian king follows a meeting with Egypt's president on Monday that produced a notably conciliatory statement from the White House. It said Trump agreed on the necessity of recognizing the peaceful nature of Islam and Muslims around the world. Scott Horsley, NPR News, the White House. All eyes will also be on President Trump's meeting this week with the president of China. Since the campaign, Trump has criticized Washington's trade partnership with Beijing as bad for American workers and pledged to renegotiate trade pacts he deems unfair. North Korea has launched a ballistic missile into the sea off its west coast. NPR's Anthony Kuhn reports that the latest test comes the day before the U.S.-China presidential summit. North Korea's test launch would appear to be a reminder to both presidents of the urgency of the North Korean nuclear issue. But China's foreign ministry says there's no clear link between the missiles and the meeting. In any case, President Trump has already said he intends to pressure China to persuade North Korea to abandon its nukes. That's NPR's Anthony Kuhn reporting. Millions of people in the southern U.S. are bracing for a long day of severe weather, including the potential for long-track tornadoes and giant hail. 
Esther Chamakili with member station WBHM in Birmingham, Alabama, reports the worst of the weather has yet to come. The National Weather Service says the storm has downed at least three weather radars, two in Alabama and one in Georgia. There have also been reports of tornadoes on the ground and baseball-sized hail in parts of South Alabama. Weather Service meteorologist Holly Allen says a wet storm system moving north from the Gulf of Mexico will meet a dry line system around Birmingham. This will create a rare severe weather pattern, usually seen in the higher plains areas. We're kind of seeing thunderstorms as a result of all different parts of the total weather system, and we don't get that all the time here. Allen says the convergence of these two storm systems will bring the worst of the bad weather. For NPR News, I'm Esther Chamakili in Birmingham. This is NPR News. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he has enough votes to thwart a Democratic filibuster of President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Neil Gorsuch. McConnell says Democrats seem determined to head into the abyss and need to reconsider. But his Democratic colleagues have shown no signs of abandoning their plans. Forty-four of them have said they will vote against advancing to final confirmation. The White House and congressional Republicans resumed talks today on salvaging the health care legislation. Despite promises to their voter base to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, Republicans have been unable to reach a consensus on a measure they could push through the U.S. House. An infamous Arizona jail will soon be closed. From member station KJZZ in Phoenix, Jimmy Jenkins has more on the Tent City Jail. The tents went up in 1993 to address overcrowding, but Arpaio used them as a public relations tool to bolster his image as America's toughest sheriff. The open-air jail was constructed out of military tents and could reach temperatures as high as 130 degrees in the summer. Newly elected Sheriff Paul Penzone made dismantling the jail a priority after defeating Arpaio last year. Penzone said instead of a crime deterrent, the jail was creating a circus-like atmosphere in Arizona's criminal justice system. Starting today, that circus ends and these tents come down. Research conducted by the sheriff's office showed the costly jail had no effect on deterrence or recidivism. For NPR News, I'm Jimmy Jenkins in Phoenix. U.S. stocks higher this hour with the Dow Jones Industrial Average climbing 138 points. It stands at 20,826. S&P's up 12. NASDAQ is up 25 points. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Mile IQ. The Mile IQ app automatically tracks business miles to streamline and maximize deductions or expenses. The Mile IQ app is available for download in the App Store and Google Play. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hello, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and Tennessee, and anybody else listening to us on live streaming. You're listening to the original Southern Remedy. That's the one where we take calls on all topics, and it's no different today. Uh, That number is 1-877-672-7464. Or 1-877-MPB-RING. 1-877-672-7464 or 1-877-MPB-RING. That's the same thing. For you folks over there in Alabama right now, in South 
uh, South Alabama and in the Birmingham area were thinking about you with this really bad weather system coming through on Wednesday. And for those of you who are listening on Sunday morning to our early mor- morning rebroadcast of the show, you'll know what happened, and we're hoping there won't be much happening. They're having a lot of very, very severe weather that way, and in, some of it is also in our state, but it looks like the worst of it's going to be over there. We're talking about whatever's on your uh, mind today. This is uh, Alcohol Month. Uh, we uh, certainly want to remember that that, con- that alcohol abuse continues to be a big, big problem in Mississippi. And uh, for those of you who are helping people deal with that, um, we, we really want to thank you. I have a special guest today, Dr. Dan Williams. I mean, Dr. Will Watkins. Dr. Williams is the uh, psychiatry psychologist that we may talk to today about alcoholism. I'm not sure. But my special guest today is Will Watkins, who is assistant professor in the Department of Ophthalmology. We call him Dr. Will. And uh, he's here to talk about eye problems, if you have any questions about that. So we have a broad spectrum of things to talk about. And we'd love to have your call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Doctor Will, good to have you with us. Thank you. Uh, what is an ophthalmologist? <laughs> sure. What so, is an optometrist? Okay. What is a nurse practitioner ophthalmologist? Quickly. Okay. So in short, a ophthalmologist is someone who goes to medical school. Um, and then at the completion of their medical training, they end up specializing in uh, ophthalmology, which is essentially the surgical and medical care of ophthalmic uh, eye diseases. So after medical school, we do a intensive surgical residency followed by a fellowship if uh, if you uh, desire to specialize in different aspects of the eye. Fellowship means another another year or two? Correct. So most of our fellowships are one year, some are two. What is yours? Uh, I'm a comprehensive ophthalmologist, so I, I, I did not do a fellowship. You're a general, general practitioner. Correct. That's good Good to know if you don't know what's wrong with your eyes because then you can get referred to the right specialist. And there are specialists in ophthalmology, which include what? I know there's a retina specialist. Sure. So as we go through the different parts of the eye, we tend to specialize in them. So there are oculoplastic specialists, which is the eyelid uh, around the eye and the bones around the eye uh, in the orbit. And then you have a cornea specialist, which is the front part of the eye, followed by a... Well, wait, let's, let's know, know some more about the cornea. Sure. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Taking all calls on all subjects medically. No tech calls, please. I'm a tech idiot. Uh, I'm Dr. Rick here with Dr. Will, and we'd love to answer your question or or hear what you have to say. So we all know what the eyelid is, and there are eyelid problems, right? Absolutely. You get bumps on there and stuff, right? You can. You can get anything that uh, you would get on any part of your skin, uh, mostly uh, conditions that affect other parts of the face and head. So we look for things like uh, cancers, uh, as well as allergic conditions, um, or just uh, or just normal changes that can occur with aging, such as uh, drooping and loss of that normal. So kind of he can talk to you about drooping eyes, <laughs> but more importantly, on the eyelid would be styes. He has a magic treatment for styes. So if you want to get hold of that, we're at one eight seven seven six seven two. Seven four six four. So the cornea, can you see that looking into the mirror in your own eye? 
Uh, you can. Uh, what does it look like? It, it's it's well, it's clear. You can sometimes see a, a shine or a reflection of light off of it. You want it to be clear. So if you look in your eye and things look hazy um, or white in the front part of your eye, you should uh, probably see someone to uh, get that further. So evaluated. that's a windshield, right? Correct. For your eye, it's it's over the top of the other parts. It is. Yes. Does it go all the way across or just the round part of your eye? So as long as you're uh, so if you look in your eye and you see the colored part and the black part in the center, all that is covered by the cornea. The white part is covered by a tissue called the sclera. So they are continuous, but if you can think about it, essentially the sclera turns into the clear cornea as it goes to the center of the eye. Okay, listeners, hold that thought. The psychologist is here, and um, we're going to go back and talk with Dr. Will. This is Dr. Dan. I wanted you to have a little bit of information about what you need to know if you think that uh, you may have an alcohol problem. Hey, Dr. Williams. Hello, good morning. Thank you for your call. Now, what is this What is this uh, screening thing uh, that you can ask, the questions you can ask to see if you have an alcohol problem? Yeah, so it's really important for individuals to know what are the safe drinking guidelines. The National Institute for Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism has established really clear-cut guidelines for individuals to know whether they're drinking at levels that are safe. And so generally the guidelines are for a woman to consume no more than three drinks of alcohol in a day and no more than seven in a week. For a man under 65, those guidelines are no more than four drinks in a week and no more than four, I'm sorry, four drinks in a day and no more than 14 drinks in a week. That's pretty generous. Now, something that's really important to understand is what is one drink, though. Hmm. So for us, the way we measure drinks, one drink is a 12-ounce beer or a 5-ounce glass of wine or 1.5 ounces of liquor, so a small shot glass of liquor. So nobody knows what an ounce is, you know. That's so right. what is an ounce? Is that uh, a couple of tablespoons full, or do you know? Yeah, so I, I don't know the conversion to tablespoons, uh, but an ounce, 1.5 ounces is, if you're familiar with a shot glass, uh-huh. that would be a shot glass. If you're familiar with the red Solo party cups, yeah, the very bottom line that is almost at the bottom, right. that is 1.5 ounces of liquor. You are good. <laughs> you are good. The designer uh- of the Solo cup actually designed the cup to have standard drinks designed and built into the cup you are amazing so uh, let me ask you this you said that over 65 there's different uh, recommendations Uh, and i tell the women i tell the women that they're supposed to not have but one drink a day if they're over 65 i'm afraid to tell them anything yeah what should i tell them so for the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, for women, the drink uh, guidelines for, for 65 and older stay the same. Mm-hmm. But for men, the guidelines at age 65 go down to the women's guidelines. Okay, we're about out of time. We've got to go talk to Ann and Pontiac, and we've got to talk to anybody else that wants to call us today. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So can you give us that list of questions you can ask yourself? about whether or not you may have an alcohol problem? Yeah, so generally the basic, the frontline screening questions are, in the past year, have you had, if you're a woman, more than three drinks in a day, 
If you're a man, have you had more than four drinks in a day? Mm -hmm. And do you ever drink more than seven drinks per week or for a woman or 14 drinks per week for a man? Okay. And a real red flag would be if you're drinking five or more drinks for a woman or six or more drinks in any day for a man. They're really We call that binge drinking, and that really puts you in a higher risk category for developing alcohol. And there's a web address you can go to because you can't remember that much. Uh, and it's at the National Institutes of Health National, what is it? That's right. The National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, the NIAAA, mm-hmm. has wonderful handouts and information about safe drinking guidelines and for you to be able to assess your own safe drinking. Okay. So for the first question is you ask yourself how much you're drinking. What is the second question? So once we start looking beyond how much you're drinking, we start to look at are you experiencing any problems due to your drinking? Mm -hmm. Are you missing work? Have you had any legal issues? Have you started to have interpersonal problems? Are your family members or loved ones concerned about it? When we start to look for levels of impairment to start to see, is this starting to interfere with your life? Yeah. Is this getting in the way of you doing, living your life in the most effective way? And there's all kinds of stuff at that website to be more specific, like have you ever thought about uh, stopping drinking? Have you ever tried but couldn't? Things like that that are also important. We're going to have you on our program as soon as we can get you scheduled, Dr. Dan, to fill in the blanks on this and the other uh, uh, problems. Um, we're, I wanted to get you on air to let people know <clears throat> that we now have an addiction center at UMC uh, with a clinic twice a week. If anybody is addicted to anything and needs help, what number do they call or what do they do? Yeah, so the number for our clinic is 601-815-5836. And if they don't have any money, they can see a financial screener and some arrangements can be made for them to get in. Is that right? That is correct. So we don't turn anybody away who's addicted just because you're poor, because most of us are in Mississippi. That's <laughs> you right. know That's the problem. That's uh, right. Listen, Dr. Dan, thank you so much, and I look forward to having you on the show just as soon as you can schedule it. I look forward to it as well. Thank you. We appreciate it. Okay. Let's go to Ann in Pontotac. Hey, Ann, what's going on with your eye? Ann, you there? Hello, Ann. Good, Hello. good to hear from you. What's going on with your eye? Well, for years, I guess all my life, and I'm in my 60s, I've had just once in a blue moon a very sharp pain in my eye. Mm-hmm. And I can't, as the doc, eye doctor, he can't find anything wrong. And I just wonder what it could be because uh, if it lasted more than a second, I couldn't stand it. It hurt so bad. Okay. Well, I'm going to turn you over to the ophthalmologist, but I would like to say that even though you're uh, 60, you sound like a chickadee to me. So <laughs> well, th- there you go. So what's the, what's this th- deal about eye pain? What should, I know there are alarm signs that you always teach the students and residents to be aware of that you need to see an ophthalmologist. You don't need to go to a dock in the box or uh, screw around with it yourself with eye drops from the drugstore. So maybe you can respond to her eye pain, which is one of them, and uh, and briefly 
talk about the others while we wait for people to call because we have open lines at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. Don't wait till end the program when everybody in the universe calls in. Now is your chance to get your question answered. So what's what's the answer? Sure. So I think it's incredibly common. Um, so one thing I talk to patients about, and Ann, this may uh, come up with you as well, but uh, we all kind of a- have aches and pains over our, our body. So whether it's our hip or our eye, sometimes we just have, you know, very brief, uh, very intermittent um, pains that, that that oftentimes may just have a neurological cause. So um, I, I talk to patients, and if they have recurrent eye pain or pain that's lasting um, uh, for a long time or uh, or short pain like, like you may be having that occurs on a daily or hourly basis, that is much more concerning than something that may happen once or twice a year. So that's the, kind of the first question that we talk about. But there's different types of eye pain. So there's uh, a sharp, uh, scratchy sensation, almost like hair or sand is in your eye. Um, and then there's eye pain that is consists of like a dull, achy, headachey, pressure feeling type of pain. So um, one thing that we do worry about with eye pain, especially the uh, achy, um, uh, pressure sensing type of pain is, is that your eye pressure might be elevated. So if we uh, think about those things, um, if we uh, think about things like glaucoma and those conditions. So what we talk to medical students about and the questions we ask patients are, are is your vision getting blurry when you have this dull, achy eye pain, um, almost like you're seeing rainbows when you look at bright lights? Are you having associated nausea, vomiting? Um, is your eye red during these events? Um, if, if those are if those are the case, then uh, and if you're having it in something like this, um, it's often uh, important that you get urgent uh, care. Now, on the other side, if you're having a sharp um, sand-like pain or a very brief sharp pain, uh, it could be associated with something uh, as uh, benign as uh, just simply dry eyes or or eye strain, um, or you could have a little piece of dirt in your eye, or you could have an eyelash that that might be. Uh, growing in the wrong uh, direction and and accidentally, you know, or intermittently rubbing your eyes. So it's difficult to know. Um, So, Anna, let's go back to Anna. Anna, are you still there? Uh Uh-huh. All right. So you heard that it's not that simple. You have to characterize for the ophthalmologist what's going on. And we have an ophthalmologist here. Uh, Dr. Will Watkins at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and I know everybody's hunkered down for the storm, but this is a good time to give us a call. So uh, he needs to know how long the pain lasts and how frequent is it. You've already said it's uh, sharp. Uh, yes, it's, it just lasts for one or two seconds. It's, it's like it hurts so bad, I just almost yell out. How often? Mm. How often? Oh. Three or four times a year. Is it coming more frequently, or is it the same frequency it's been coming before? No, it's not. I've had it for years, and I just heard your. I was listening to your program. I thought, well, I'm going to call in since we've got some eye specialists. And you did the right thing. Do you get regular eye checks? Well, not really, but uh, I have been checked for glaucoma. You know, just about every every, few, every year or. If I go, I go to a health fair. Yeah. Have it set up. Okay. Well, let us let us finish answering your questions uh, on on that problem. So, what's the wrap up on that? Well, number one, you need as you she's sixty. 
you don't just not get your eyes checked when you get to be 60 because there's some silent things that can goof it up, right? Absolutely. So most people over uh, 40 or 50 should uh, get a yearly eye exam. Um, so if you are having any kind of issues, this is for just people in general, you should uh, check in with an ophthalmologist uh, once a year just to make sure that the eye is structurally normal and that uh, things are looking healthy in your eye. Um, concerning your pain, it's, you know, with something that's only occurring once uh, or three times a year, it's very infrequent. So um, it maybe your eyes just drying out at intermittent times. I would consider maybe just using some or keeping some artificial tears around your house. Um, and, but I would definitely, in your case, recommend you know just continuing to check in with people to make sure that uh, that your eye looks uh, healthy. Also, you might want to talk to your primary care doctor because there there may be some variants of uh, headache conditions or migraines that that could present. Uh, in a in a similar way, but if it definitely if it starts occurring more often or lasts longer, I would uh, I would you know seek care. So we're going to go to Utica in Memphis and go to your house if you give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I want to go through those alarm signs. Number one would be pain, and particularly if it's painful and lasts. Number two is a red eye, right? Correct. What else? Uh, vision changes. Would uh, definitely be a concern. In particular, if you start seeing what? Well, generalized blurriness or uh, sometimes people, it almost looks like they're looking through a cloudy window like your uh, shower might fog up. Um, that that would that would be of concern as well. So that so. would be a retinal tear, or what would that no, be? No. So if we're going to talk, it depends what condition we're talking about. But one condition that presents with pain is uh, is acute glaucoma, and the symptoms would be an achy, dull pain, uh, or potentially a red eye, nausea, vomiting, severe headache symptoms, and then blurry vision, almost like you're looking through uh, frosted glass. And those would tend to occur all at the same time. And if that occurs, you should you know seek urgent medical. Uh, so there's care. a there's a whole bunch of things that can give you a painful red eye absolutely but they're all serious right uh well most are some some like uh, allergies to the eye if you're itching and and your vision's good and the pain is very mild sometimes that can be associated with just a more benign okay so change um change of vision um change of frequent frequency of whatever kind of visual problems you have if you already have one identified red eye what else? Uh, those, those are the main ones. Yeah. Okay, good. Those should be seen immediately. Let's go to Jacqueline in Utica. Hey, Jacqueline. How do you do? Jacqueline, you there? Yes, yes. We're here um, for you. What's going on? Well, I, I appreciate your taking um, calls regarding any problem. That's the way we are. Okay. Uh, I want to talk to you about, uh, I have a quick question regarding my husband. He is 69 and has had back pain for 30 years that he's been able to manage up until uh, the past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has stenosis, uh, bulging disc, degenerative disc, anything that, that imaginable that could go wrong with the back. Right. So he's and been to that. see a back specialist? Oh, he's been to a back specialist. He's been to pain management, acupuncturist, mm-hmm. chiropractors. Right. And he's not a candidate for surgery. Uh, they they think that the main culprit is the arthritis that's causing the pain. Mm-hmm. No one can get him out of pain. Uh, and this, uh, up until a year ago, he was playing golf, he was fishing, he was doing everything. He would just ice it and manage it. Mm-hmm. And it was painful, but it wasn't uh, debilitating. Mm-hmm. Now it's so debilitating, you know, he can't stand in the shower. He uh, just standing up, it, it causes a problem for him. Okay. Now, let me ask you, wh- why did you say he's not a candidate for back surgery? 
because four doctors have told him she's not. Well, has he seen an orthopedic spine specialist or neurologist? Well, you need a second opinion, another opinion. Okay. Because something happened a year ago, all right? It may have been that his spinal stenosis became so crucial uh, that he's developed this chronic syndrome, and there is a surgical solution for that. Okay, that is the only thing that works for spinal stenosis once it becomes critical. The things are so narrowed down, it catches your spinal cord in there, and you just can't function. So the fact that he is dysfunctional means that you need to keep getting uh, some ideas. Number two, um, there's also the possibility that he has some um, problem with an entrapment of a, one or more nerves by osteoarthritis that can be treated with a non-surgical, I mean, limited surgical uh, treatment through uh, through a scope. So uh, we have an ortho, we have an orthopedic spine surg- surgeon trained at Columbia University <clears throat> at uh, UMC, and you probably have uh, other resources yourself. But uh, I, I don't think you have gotten the right answer. At the very least, you need more than an explanation that he's not a surgical candidate. Okay? All right. So I need to check with UMC. Is that what you're telling me? You can check with any board-certified neurologist who is a spine specialist or any board-certified orthopedic spine specialist that has had a, uh, advanced training in back disease. Okay? okay. And uh, there are several at UMC. One comes to mind is Dr. Ward, Stan Ward, but there are a lot of others, and there are some good ones elsewhere in the state. So uh, if you need more information about that, just send me an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. Jacqueline, thank you for your call. Thank you. That's Southern Remedy. Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. Sorry, I talked too fast. (laughs) That's the French blood in me. Okay. Good to talk to you. Let's go to Dwayne on the Gulf Coast. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, how are you doing? Okay, how's the weather? Uh, it's nice and sunny and warm. Oh, good. So y'all are not going to get hit again today, huh? Uh, probably not. There's some light clouds, but not bad. Good. Well, y'all have had enough, so a good day would be nice. What's your question? Okay, I have been going to... Because of my insurance, I've been going to Lens Crafters and seeing one of their people in there about my eyes. And then last year I went to a different one over here in Biloxi. And he told me that my prescription was wrong, that um, the right eye had to have twice the strength as the left eye. And also that I had the start of a... Um, Cataract. Cataract. That's what I was trying to say. Cataract. And that it was at about 30%, but it was too early to fool with it. But now I kind of live in the boonies, and um, driving in the dark out there, I'm starting to have a problem with clarity of what I see. Um, Is that still too soon to do a uh, a surgery on that eye? Good question. Sure. So uh, 
Cataracts are, are difficult to to know exactly when to operate it. It ultimately ends up depending on if we can get the vision uh, good to where you're happy with things with glasses. And if we can't get you seeing good with spectacles, um, then uh, then oftentimes it is it is time to consider cataract surgery. So um, what I would recommend doing is seeing an, an ophthalmologist uh, in in your town or near there and, and getting getting their opinion. It may be as simple as getting some new glasses, but um, but it's it's also possible that you that you may need to consider cataract. Well, surgery. as a cataract sufferer uh, who has not had surgery yet, um, uh, I'm waiting for you to say what you and your colleagues have told me, and that is the patient decides when they're ready for cataract surgery. It's not the ophthalmologist or the optometrist. It's what kind of visual problems you're having, and he's telling you that he's having problems driving at night, which is one of the big cataract problems. You see all kinds of crazy, what do you call those things that you see? Uh, halos. Halos, yeah. yeah. As as a non-angel, I cannot remember <laughs> that very well. And that is dangerous stuff. And uh, so ex- yeah, expontate so, on that further. Well, another another common cause for uh, not being able to see at night, especially in, in uh, young people, is just not having glasses that are quite strong enough. So a lot of times if your glasses are close, maybe 90% correct, you do great during the day, but when you get in low light conditions, then you start to get blurry. And sometimes that can be improved and corrected just with, with glasses. But, you know, sometimes uh, even with glasses, it, it's not uh, enough to, to make people safe and happy. So that's when we would consider cataracts. All right. So, Dwayne, here's my answer as a non-ophthalmologist, and I can't get in trouble with ophthalmologists because I'm just a med-peds guy, uh, you're, uh, you're seeing an optometrist, and it's time for you to step up to the next level and see an ophthalmologist to get a second opinion on this because you're differing, and I'm differing with what I'm hearing from what you're getting with your optometrist. So you need to find yourself uh, an MD uh, ophthalmologist. There's nothing wrong with optometrists. They're wonderful folks, and they take care of most general problems. But when we start talking about possible eye surgery, you have to go to an eye surgeon, okay? All right. Well, I have an appointment at the end of the month with an ophthalmologist, but... um, I wear glasses now. I just got a new pair in December, and I'm still having a problem with the right eye. Take your glasses with you, uh, obviously. Take your eyeball with you, obviously, and you should get an answer on this. And if you don't, we'll see you for a second opinion at UMC or wherever you want to get another opinion. But this needs to be – you need to be comfortable with the advice you're getting, and you're not. Okay? I appreciate your time, gentlemen. Thanks a lot. All right. Let's go to Jody and Clinton. Hey, Jody. Jody, you're on the air. Hi. I have a question, and I don't know the medical term, so it's going to sound um, not, but I hope the doctor understands. My husband's family had our, uh, where the eyeball's not shaped right. Yeah. Okay. The term for that. It's so, crooked eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're not oval. They're kind yeah, of I know. He he's he knows all that stuff. You're my, communicating my beautifully. Go ahead. Okay, myopic or something. Okay, so when they first came out with the um, where they cut the eyeball so that you could, it would make the rays fall on the retina properly. Yeah, laser surgery, right? Well, Lasix. Preceded laser. Was it RK? Yes. Okay. They, cut, they would cut the cornea mm-hmm. ten years.
years, he could see beautifully. But he was told also, as you get older, you get in your 60s, and you really can't see. Okay. Uh, is there anything we can do? He, um, I would say legally blind. He would argue the point that the wife's opinion. Uh, <laughs> is he not driving? Oh, yeah, he's driving. He's okay, he can going. see to drive, he's but he's having trouble with a newspaper. <laughs> but, well, and just sight. Well, now that we've had this actually cut on the outside, is there a specialist of a particular category that maybe could help him? We have got your question. We have got it. We're hot on it. So yes, what sir. is the difference between Lasix and do they still do this radial keratotomy? Yeah, radial keratot- no, they don't. Um, it's LASIK has, has replaced that, but that that was a manual procedure performed uh, many years ago. To, to so now you do it automated with that. Thing. It's it's more automated. It's not one hundred percent. So everybody I know at church is getting LASIKs, and it works in half of the people in my church. Uh, I know it's supposed to be better than that. It seems to me that somebody may have a new machine they're trying out somewhere. I don't know what the problem is, but it, and, and my wife had it and didn't work. So um, uh, what what is this deal about your crooked eyeball and what needs to be done for it? Why can't you just fix it with glasses? Sure. Well, uh, well, uh, oftentimes you can. I actually want to uh, address Jody's question real quick. So with your husband at 60, he may have multiple issues going on. So he, he's probably developing a cataract as well. So now you're compounding two issues where you have a cornea um, that has been corrected and then uh, but maybe the cataract is playing a role so what I would recommend is him see a cornea specialist so there are cornea uh, cornea specialist correct c-o-r-n-e-a specialist correct so we have one at umc his name's dr uh, bo wong um and uh there's also a dr mallet at jackson Associates. those are uh, the two cornea specialists here in town but uh essentially I, but I think, there are others elsewhere right uh correct they're all over the state okay yes. good um because y'all trained them uh well we trained some of them yeah, yes. yeah. so um but yeah, I would I would see one of them to uh, let them evaluate the cornea as well as look at the lens to see if there's um, any uh, any surgical options that or any options that that can help him. And likely there are ways to get him seeing better. Okay, good. So you gave her what she needed. Now give me what I need. Sure. So I, I, everybody's getting LASIK surgery, and so, some people, I'm sure the guys who do it say I have a 95 percent success rate. What are the indications for getting? Uh, surgery when your eyeball is not shaped right. Sure. So the indications are you want to be of an age where your prescription is no longer changing rapidly. So usually this is uh, in your mid to late 20s. So we tend not to do on people much younger than that. You, your eyes have to fall along uh, certain parameters. Your cornea has to be thick enough to sustain the uh, the laser uh, and your eyes need to be healthy otherwise. So we screen you for any other types of retinal uh, diseases or any other eye conditions that could cause vision problems. So um, um, it, it, as a result, in an appropriate patient with a healthy eye, our results uh, tend to be tend to be very good. Um, but the eye is also dynamic. So you know, when you look five, ten, fifteen years uh, down the road, sometimes those initial results that are that are very good due to other factors in the eye, um, your vision can change. You may need to have a touch up, or a second procedure, or potentially start wearing glasses or contacts again. To now, get the what best about the, the people that I see that fail? this are almost always have the same story. They don't want to wear glasses or contacts, usually for cosmetic reasons, and this is men too. Uh, And I think they talk the ophthalmologist into doing the procedure. Now, you tell me I'm full of it, but that's what I think. Well, well, I, I... 
we always want to make our patients happy. Uh, and I, and I, I don't, I've, I've personally never been talked into a procedure that I didn't feel comfortable performing. And I think that most, um, you know, pretty much everyone that is, that is, uh, licensed and trained as a competent ophthalmologist would, would feel the same way. So, uh, patients have different expectations on, on, uh, on what their vision should be. And there are multiple factors that go into that. So a lot of it, uh, involves, you know, trying to make sure the patient's a good candidate, their eyes are healthy and, and that they have proper expectations for the procedure. But in general, uh, it, it tends to be incredibly safe um, and very effective for a vast majority of people. Okay, you put me in my place, and I feel better. Thank you. Let's go to Crystal and Tishomingo. Hey, Crystal, we're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You're listening, Doctor Will. It's eyes and whatever else is on your mind. What's your question, Crystal? Okay, so I know I go to the optometrist every year, and I have. Uh, or whatever, so I've been wearing glasses since I was seven. But the last couple of years, uh, they've gotten excessively dry. And at first I thought it was just allergies, but I don't really have any other allergy symptoms. And so, and I noticed that sometimes they'll, they'll water a whole lot, and then they'll just be, and it's not water, though. It's not lubricating like tears. It's just thick, you know. And then I'll wipe it away, and then they're just so dry. The medical term for that is goop. <laughs> yeah, do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I try I try to use artificial tears, but they just they don't really they, they relieve it for just a few minutes. And then it's we got it. We got your problem. And this is a familiar song, and you're on the third verse. So hang on. Let's see what he says. Absolutely. So there are uh, different causes of the symptoms that you're having. But this is what I typically uh, tell people. And I'll kind of give you a little bit of a shotgun approach. What I typically tell people is you need to make sure your eyelids are healthy. So I ask them to do warm compresses uh, twice a day. Uh, and also use uh, like a makeup, remo- a safe, like hypoallergenic makeup removal pad to make sure they're removing all their mascara and kind of all the dirt around the outside of their eyelids and eyelashes. Then ask them to use artificial tears at least four times a day. So what kind? Well, so that's it's really whatever they can afford and what they what they find that they enjoy. What so, do you recommend? Well, honestly, any of the uh, any of the artificial tears are, are very similar. I would typically recommend anything except for something like Visine or any medication that says "quote unquote" it gets the red out. There's extra factors in that that can actually cause some problems. Is but, one better than the other? Uh, no, they're all slightly different to essentially to get their drug patents, but even the store-bought brands are completely fine. Um, if you're having difficulty with the big bottles of artificial tears, there's also preservative-free artificial tears, which tend to be slightly more expensive, but they're individual package tears, and they have essentially all they have are the tears and the oil in there, so that tends to be a little bit uh, less uh, allergy-inducing. But I would typically have people do the lid scrubs and then tears at least four times a day. If that's not helping um, and you're having a lot of itching or seasonal issues, there are some over-the-counter allergy drops such as Zatador. Um, it's basically like topical Benadryl for your eyes that tend to be uh, helpful as well. The weird thing about eye drops, I mean, the weird thing about dryness is that your eyes can water when they're dry. So when I tell people that they have dry eyes, sometimes they look at me like I'm like I'm silly, thinking that, oh, my eyes are watering all the time. And that typically is a reflex of your eye trying to protect itself. So I would, you know, I would consider starting there. And if you're still having issues, continue to follow up with potential optometrist. If you want to see an ophthalmologist, um, they can also get, give you an opinion. But there are some prescription medications such as uh, Restasis and other medicines that sometimes um, are proven to be more effective. So, what about the uh, f- the fan? 
Yeah, so especially sleeping at night, uh, fan or like any kind of circulating air can really dry your eyes out. So sometimes wearing a sleep mask or using ointment um, at night can uh, can help uh, with your symptoms. And those, you kind of have to think about when your eyes are dry. So if you're having symptoms in the morning, it's likely because you're drying out at night. That's where a sleep mask or turning off the fan or using gel at night can help. Um, but if you're having symptoms late in the afternoon after working on a computer for all day, all, all day long and stuff, um, then that usually is just from uh, typical dryness. Great. Thank you very much. We're going to Pike County and Mobile in just a minute, and we will have lines open for you at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Kenneth and Miss in Memphis. Hey, Kenneth. Kenneth, you still with us? Kenneth, sir. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. Yes, sir. This is Kenneth Turner. Uh, I'm calling. I'm actually calling from Memphis. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, my qu- uh, first of all, let me say that I appreciate what you guys got going. I, I like the fact that you allow people to call in and get real answers. And um, so thank you, first of all. No extra charge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the real uh, the question that I have, uh, my girlfriend, her mother has an opioid problem. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it's an epidemic. She, it's an epidemic, yeah. Kenneth. And, and she's prescribed it as well. Yeah. So she'll get 90 at the top of the month, mm-hmm. 90, mm-hmm. Lord, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. And within a day or within a day or two, she's down at least half the bottle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it's, she's being. Cunt- yeah, I know that my, she's my, addicted. I guess, I guess my question is, mm-hmm. being uh, being in my position, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's not, too, you know, how do you go to, how do you approach a woman that's grown? You know, she's probably my pops. My pops, uh, okay, I'll give you some. I'll give you some information on that. Just some recommendations. You can take them for what they're worth because uh, there's no published data to specifically answer your questions. And we try to give real evidence here. So this is not evidence. This is my experience in dealing with lots of opioid addicted people because I'm a rheumatologist, arthritis specialist, and a lot of people I see on referral are addicted to these things, and uh, Mississippi is the center of opioid addiction for the country. We have a major, awful problem with this, and the reason it's so bad is not because people are addicted, but because people are dying of overdoses. So the number one thing is, Kenneth, uh, don't bring this up. Don't talk about it. Uh, This woman is a potential mother-in-law. You have no standing uh, with her, so your daughter, your girlfriend, has to do the talking. That's number one. Uh, otherwise, this this relationship is not going to be around very long. And if it does uh, result in marriage, you're going to be locked out. Number two, uh, the best thing to do would be to get your uh, get your uh, girl girlfriend to get her mother a physical, a yearly physical. And then before, when you get the doctor's name or the nurse practitioner's name or whoever, before that uh, takes place, call that person, have the daughter call that person and tell her that the mom is coming in for a physical exam, but she's addicted to opiates and we need to get her into a program. And uh, that's the main reason she's coming. Uh, There are, uh, if, if she's willing to do this on her own, which most aren't, because she's getting as much as she needs. She won't want to stay off of it until somebody cuts it off, and we doctors are cutting it off fast. People that are prescribing that much opioid are losing their medical license in Mississippi, so she may not be getting it 
legally like she used to be getting it. Uh, but you, she won't be getting it long because that's going to be stopped. So uh, the um, mental health, uh, Department of Mental Health has a mental health center that deals with this in each area of the state. So if you'll just go to the Internet and look up Department of Mental Health and look at what region you're in uh, in Tennessee, uh, then you ought to be able to get the name of a place to take her. At least you can have her daughter call and get some information. So that's the place to start. I hope that your uh, Department of Mental Health isn't being uh, cut off at the head by uh, state cuts like ours is, which is just a terrible thing right in the middle of an addiction epidemic. But uh, you got to understand that uh, there's a lot of cuts going on, and it's just across the board. They don't use their brains to pick out what to cut. So there you go. Yes, sir. I hope that helps. I appreciate you, sir. You have a great day. And I'll be dodging bullets from uh, everybody at uh, down, downtown. Let's go to, uh, let's go to uh, Pike County and Jerry. Hey, Jerry. <clears throat> Jerry, you are on the air. This is your time to be famous. Uh, hi, thank you for taking the call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, infamous is more. All right, that'll work uh, too. I, uh, I'm 60, and my vision has always been kind of bad, needed glasses. Uh, I haven't been to a doctor in 10 years, and I've got an appointment out at the medical mall to see an ophthalmologist. Uh, I have type 2 diabetes, and I think that's the purpose, uh, the reason that the doctor scheduled this appointment for me. What my question is, I'm taking Flexeril for my back, and it makes my eyes uh, even worse, real blurry. Uh, my vision is real blurry. Should I take that stuff when I go to the doctor, for this? when I go for this appointment, uh, like if he's going to test my eyes and... Um, maybe write me a prescription yeah not. well yeah so uh we definitely want your your back to be we want you to be able to participate in the exam so we want you comfortable we want you to be able to be engaged so it, it also depends on on how much you need that medicine for your back but um it, you know we want to get an accurate um representation of what your vision is in your normal life so if, if that's a med- in general if, if, if there's a medication um, that you typically take on a daily basis and you want to continue to take it, it's it's nice just to kind of do everything like you normally would when you come and see someone because we don't want to just help you when you're in the clinic. We want to help you in your everyday life and doing well. So if you're on any medications like that, I would, I would in general just recommend to live your life like you normally would, come in, get some care. And uh, and get seen. I would like to stress that with uh, people that have high blood pressure and conditions like diabetes, you, you need to get an eye exam once a year. There are some um, some conditions that that uh, it can cause damage to the back of your eyes, and sometimes you don't know it until it's already causing vision problems. So um, so I would just recommend everyone get screening. And that is a, that is a uh, if you have insurance, Medicaid, Medicare, or private insurance, that is paid for because that is a clinical guideline for people with diabetes. So many people used to go blind with diabetes that they did the numbers and found out it was cheaper uh, for the insurance companies to keep them from going blind, which is a strange way to look at it, but that's why it's it's supported now. And uh, if you have if you have diabetes and you're not having your pressures checked and your retina looked at every year, you're nuts. 
So please follow through on that. Take all your medicines in a bag. And yes, Flexeril and all of the muscle relaxants can cause all kinds of changes. Um, in older people, they are downright dangerous because they can cause confusion uh, and all kinds of other problems. So we try to keep people off of those. But uh, in some people, they work, and we try to make the dose the lowest possible. So, Jerry, thanks you for your call. You are now permanently enshrined on the website where everything that is recorded here is uh, uh, on our website as long as we get any money uh, to keep the place open. So um, send in your donation and be a regular member. Thank you for your call. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. As you can tell, I've had a lot of coffee today, and we're taking your calls. Give us a call. We got some. Uh, we got another ten minutes, and so we got some lines open, and we're going to mobile. I mean, mobile. Uh, and John, hey John. Yes. We love mobile. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Are you on the? Uh, are you in the city of Mobile or in the suburbs? Uh, I live in the city, but I'm a truck driver. I'm on the road right now to pull over the truck stop. Well, that's a good place to be. I don't eat any of that fatty food there. You know, you're, you can gain too much weight. What's going on with your uh, eye? Uh, yes, sir. I've I never been wearing glass before. I'm 58 years old, and I never wear glass before. And I went to get a physical, and then my eye will fail. So I come back. And get to the eye doctor, which I go to Walmart, you know, and get an eye exam. And after I get eye exam, uh, give me a prescription to give me a glass. And it helped me a lot for driving. But one thing I'm concerned about is with the glass on, when I close my right eye and try to see through with my left eye, it's super clear. But when I close my left eye and look to my right eye, it is blurred. Is that normal? Hey, listen, you're such a good historian. You may want to consider going to medical school and being an ophthalmologist. That was a beautiful, beautiful report. So that's very helpful, huh? Absolutely. Those are actually all the questions that I would ask you if you uh, came into my clinic. Well, so in short, uh, no, it, it's not normal. If you're not if you're not happy with your vision, especially after you've attempted something like glasses to help you see better, um, you, you should get that checked out. And I would uh, not to discount anyone that that works in in Walmart, but if you if you do have a serious eye condition, it is it's important to to see someone that that does have a a, a real brick and mortar location. It's either located in a medical clinic or a hospital so there are some uh i'm sure there's some great ophthalmologists uh in mobile and i think that uh you should uh, check in with one of them or an optometrist if you if you wanted to start the, the process there to get a full eye exam make sure that they give you the drops to dilate your eye to look in the back to look at your retina and your optic nerve to make sure that everything is healthy there because if, if glasses you know it may be as simple as just your glasses aren't correct in that eye but it, it definitely could also be something uh, that's more significant and more serious that needs to get uh, checked out and addressed john so. is that what you need uh yeah because see when i went to the you know, the eye exam in the walmart and i asked him how come we don't drop well they were like i don't know about 20 or 30 years like i exam i remember they dropped something on my eye and i mean after they drop it, I had to sit there like for an hour before I can move around. I cannot see nothing. And this time he didn't do that. I asked him, why don't he do that? He said, to examine say my eye was healthy. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's the reason you need to go somewhere else for a second opinion. That is a crazy answer if that's okay. actually what he said. Um, and why don't you make it clear to people 
it's you know it, it, it's not intuitive that they have to do more than just look in your undilated eye because you can't see pieces and parts back there. Sure. So if you look okay. in the mirror and you see the colored part of your eye, some people, they're, it's, it's brown, some people it's green, some people it's gray or blue. Um, that's called your iris, and it's, it's opaque. We can't see through that. So we have to give you dilation drops to make your pupil really big. And that, the pupil is the black part right in the center that you see in your eye. Um, and we need to look through that um, to look at uh, your retina and look at your optic nerve. It makes it a lot easier to see and to ensure that everything in the back of your eye is healthy. So the retina is really part of your brain that got stuck in the back of your eye, right? Correct. And it works, and it, that is the electrical system for how the eye, how you see, really. The, the other stuff is sort of mechanical, but this is really important. And when you look in that, you can see more than just visual issues, right? Correct. I mean, we can look at, we can look for blood vessel issues that occur with diabetes or high blood pressure. We can generally assess the overall health of the blood vessels in the rest of the body based on the condition of the eye. But yeah, to answer your point, I, I talk to patients like it is the film in a camera. Essentially, it's where all the light is collected um, and then it is sent to the brain to get processed. So unfortunately, it's one of those parts of the body that we want to keep healthy because we can't, at least at this time, reliably replace it um, like you could your lens or potentially your cornea. Um, it is, it's a part that, that we want to and we need to keep as healthy as possible so that people have good vision for their, for their and lives. And you've, you've got newer, shorter acting eye dilators than they used to have 20 years ago, right? Well, uh, don't I, say no. <laughs> it usually, you know, it, it's not as traumatic as most people think. So uh, with a good pair of sunglasses afterwards, people are usually able to, to function and drive, um, and, you know, pretty normally. If you are worried about it, just uh, talk to uh, some of your friends or, or relatives and see if you can get get a ride. But but we dilate, um, you know, many people uh, every single day, and I get dilated, uh, you know, twice a year, and it uh, it's... Um, you know, something that, that is, is very important to the, your overall health. All right. Thanks for that. And uh, I, I can't tell you, uh, Dr. Will, how many people have been referred to me um, for uh, by ophthalmologists for medical problems that have been picked up that they were clueless about, including uncontrolled hypertension, undiagnosed diabetes, and lots of other weird stuff. So if you're getting ripped off, if you're not getting your eyes dilated with your regular yearly um, exam because they can't see the back of your eye where the brain part is. Absolutely. There you go. Let's go to Vicksburg and Marsha. Hey, Marsha. Marsha, you still there in Vicksburg? Yes. Yeah, how are you? Good to hear from you. We're doing good. We love Vicksburg. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I tuned in at the end of the discussion of the dry eye, and mine is a continuation of that question. Uh, my optometrist was treating me for what she said was a really, really dry eye with some thick uh, gel eye drops, and it wasn't improving. So she's investigating now whether it might be a dendrite or a herpes simplex infection. Is that very serious? Uh, well, uh, it, it, if, it, if it is a dendrite or herpes simplex, yeah, it can, it can be very serious. Um, and those tend to be more of an acute uh, condition, but sometimes they can be chronic. If, if she's thinking that, um, uh, then hopefully she is referring you to an ophthalmologist to get seen. Uh, if not, you should, you should likely seek care of a, of a medical um, eye care provider, such as a, an MD ophthalmologist, to get, to get looked at and make sure that everything looks And that would be healthy. a cornea person? or oh, any, any comprehensive ophthalmologist, uh, or if it, if it is severe and, and they don't feel comfortable with it, mm. then they would uh, likely refer you on to a yeah. uh, cornea specialist. So the fact that she's 
asking about the question means she needs another consultation. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that, that is one of those conditions we want to stay on top of. Steve, sure. I'm sorry we didn't get to your call in Tennessee. Uh, you can send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org, and we will do our best to answer it. We want to thank Dr. Will Watkins, Assistant Professor of Ophthalmology, for being our special guest, and Dr. Dan Williams, who is Associate Professor of Psychology in our addiction service at UMC for the call-out. We plan to be back same time, same place. Uh, Our producer is the wonderful and marvelous uh, and back to work uh, after being flooded out, Jay Jay White, and uh, we appreciate him being here and you being here. Same time, same place next week.